Why don't we open our Bibles again to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, where, if you remember, Jesus has actually been telling his disciples who would come to them after he went from them. Of course, that person is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, I think this is the fifth time that he has mentioned the ministry of the Holy Spirit to his disciples in the Gospel of John. But, of course, he's also the comforter, the paraclete, who would actually keep Jesus' ministry going when Jesus himself would be gone. Now, the last time we were together, Jesus explained how the Spirit would continue his work in this world. Uh, that's what we actually learned from uh, verse 8 of this chapter, where the Holy Spirit would continue his work in this world because he would keep on convicting and convincing the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now, that ministry to this world is important because the world gets nothing right about any of those. We don't get anything right about, the, about our sin, about God's righteousness, or even about God's judgment. And certainly that was the case of us before we came to Christ. We needed the Holy Spirit to do his convicting and convincing and quickening work in our lives for us to get any of those matters and truths right. And that's why we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit to go along with our ministry of sharing the gospel. We cannot do the one without the other, but he is the one that does the job of convicting and convincing men in this world to come to Christ. Praise God for that ministry in this world. You see, without that ministry, no sin would ever be restrained in this world, and no sinner could ever be saved. But then, in the verses we come to next, in verses 12 through 15, now this will be our, our focus here this morning, Jesus describes how the Spirit will continue His work, not just in this world, but especially in and for and through His people, His church, through us today. And in these four verses, we can see two of those ministries of the Holy Spirit very, very clearly. First, the Holy Spirit will guide Christians. And then second, the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ. Now, obviously, Jesus is speaking of this coming in the future, <laughs> where the Holy Spirit has actually already come on the day of Pentecost, we look back and say, He does all of these things. He continues to guide Christians and glorify Christ. So why don't we read these verses together as we begin. Uh, John 16, verses 12 through 15, where Jesus says to His disciples, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you, into all truth. Now that's his first ministry, right? The Spirit will guide Christians. How? He continues. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And then for his second ministry, verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So in both of these ministries, guiding Christians and glorifying Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us in the path that Jesus himself led his disciples when he was in this world, ministering to them for those three and a half years. And so as believers in and followers of Christ, we need to follow the Holy Spirit, just like his disciples followed Christ. 
And we need to follow the Spirit's leadership in our lives in these ways. In a word, we need to, as the title of this message is, follow the leader. And even though sometimes our minds conjure up the game, follow the leader, we need to remember that this is not a game. In fact, this is the matter and the difference of life and death for a Christian, following the leadership of God, the Holy Spirit. Let's look more closely at these two ministries of the Holy Spirit. Again, according to verses 12 and 13, the first ministry of the Holy Spirit is to guide Christians, to guide us, to lead us where God wants us to go, and to lead us in what God wants us to do. And, and Jesus himself tells us about the need for his guidance in the very first part of verse 12, where Jesus even told his 11 disciples these words, I have yet many things to say unto you. Now, we've already been through several chapters of Jesus' teaching, <laughs> and yet Jesus says to his disciples, there's a lot more I could say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, if you remember from even the discourse that Jesus gave in the upper room, uh, at first, this may sound like a contradiction to what Jesus already said. Uh, in fact, if you go back to chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus already told his disciples all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So basically, Jesus was clearly saying, I haven't withheld anything from you. But now, Jesus is saying, I have yet many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So is there a contradiction between chapter 15, verse 15, and chapter 16, verse 12? Absolutely not. We don't find contradictions in the Scripture. You see, the truth is, Jesus did tell them everything that his Father Again, God the Father wanted him to tell them up until that point, up until that time. Jesus told them everything. He didn't withhold anything that, the, that God the Father wanted him to say. But Jesus, as God the Son, again, the second member of the Trinity, he also knew everything else that those disciples would need because of what those disciples would go through even when Jesus himself would leave. Jesus knew that there were still, according to verse 12, many things that he could say to them, many things that they needed to hear from him, but he didn't say it to them. Why not? Well, first of all, because it was his father's will for him not to. <laughs> he said, it's not time for that yet. But I think second also, because it was Jesus' own wisdom, his own wisdom of his disciples' weaknesses in that they could not bear those things quite yet. The time would come where they could bear them. The time would come where they would need more information. That time had not yet come. Once again, I think we see the sensitivity of Jesus as a teacher toward his students and toward his disciples. Isn't that the best teacher that you have? Someone that really cares for you as a student. I mean, you, you think back in, when you went to school, whether it was elementary school or junior high or high school, even in college, the best teachers were the ones that really were interested not just in, in the information they were imparting to you, but in the transformation that it would take in your life. You know, the math teachers that really wanted to get these numbers and to get these, these formulas down because they knew that it would help the way you think for the rest of your life. Teachers that really genuinely cared about you, that's the kind of teacher Jesus was for his disciples. He knew that these disciples were still men of little faith. And of course, we're going to see that little faith on display even more later on that night. But he also knew that the things that he had already taught them, the things that his father already wanted them to know, was enough for them at that point and stage in their life. 
they weren't quite ready to graduate into another class. But graduation would come soon enough. I remember when I was in second grade, I had a friend as we started that second grade year, and they were testing him because uh, he was clearly smarter than me and all the other second graders. And they thought, I don't th they don't, maybe he shouldn't be in second grade. Maybe he should just move on to third grade. And he was my, one of my closest friends, even through first grade. And we were looking forward to getting back together at school. And yeah, he moved up. He passed all those tests. They moved him up to third grade, and I was devastated. It's like, why can't I be with my friend? And so I thought, well, maybe I can prove to the teacher, prove to my parents that, that maybe I should be in third grade as well. And so, so I thought, you know, I am going to work on, by myself, long division. Because second grade, you didn't know any of that yet. You're about to learn about that. And so I got home, and I remember working on all of these problems and all of these things, and, and, and I came to realize that, I need to go through second grade. <laughs> so I didn't make it to third grade with my friend. It wasn't quite time for me yet. And the teachers and my parents understood my weaknesses and knew that I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't prepared. But the time would come where I could go to third grade. I didn't skip any grades. But the fact is that would be the case for the disciples too. They would learn more, more lessons even as Jesus was going to the cross they were still to learn many more lessons that very night that would test their faith even more than ever before, and then they would be ready to graduate. Then they would be ready for the next class. Then they would be ready for the next teacher, who we know is the Holy Spirit of God. But Jesus also knew that this teacher would lead them into greater faith in him. He knew their weakness. He knew that they could not yet bear everything that he knew they needed yet. And truly, that is still our need, isn't it? That is still our need as Christians. That is still our need as a church. We need God to guide us and to lead us, the Holy Spirit to continue that work of teaching. The Apostle Paul understood this. In fact, the need in the Corinthian church was something that he said in 1 Corinthians 3.2. He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Almost the same way that Jesus says to his disciples. You're not quite ready. And so this is the case for us even today. There are times in our lives as a church. There are times in our lives as Christians. That there are some things we just cannot bear yet. We're not ready to graduate to that next class. We may want to. We may want to know all of this. And, and learn about this. And be able to apply all of those things. But the Holy Spirit is that teacher that Jesus has left for us. That knows our frame. He knows where we're at. He knows where we need to go. And he knows all of the steps and sometimes the little baby steps to get there. He knows when we need to drink that milk. He knows when we can eat that meat. And that's the way God leads us and guides us through his spirit in a way that is sensitive to those weaknesses, sensitive to those needs. And that's why even in our lives as Christians and our relationship with God, our walk with God, we need to be patient. We need to be patient with our own growth in God's grace and knowledge. Yes, we need to aspire, we need to desire, but there might be some things in our lives where we're just not ready for those things. Be patient with God. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is the best teacher that Jesus could have left with us. He knows where we're at. He knows what we need in the time that we needed. But we also, I think, need to be patient with each other. Not everyone is on the same or in the same place, in the same class, in the, in the same lesson, even in the same class in this church. And so we pray, God, lead us higher 
lead us in a greater way, lead us deeper, and yet still exercise patience and tenderness, even as the Lord did for his disciples. We need to be patient as we all grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because the time will come when we all graduate, and we will know the Lord because we will see him as he is. But then after describing the disciples' need and really our need for the Spirit's guidance, in verse 12, he also tells us about the nature of the Holy Spirit's guidance, the nature of it. In verse 13, he adds these words, how be it? So he knows that the time will come when they will be able to bear. Your, Your growth is coming. Your class, your graduation is coming. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So once again, I think for the fifth time now in the Gospel of John, Jesus reintroduces us to this Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God. He is that comforter, that paraclete, who will come from both him and his Father. And there's one really important thing to note in this verse. And it's something that's confirmed by all the other verses in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. And that is, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. That is, he is not a spiritual force, but rather a divine person. The Holy Spirit even is the third member of the Godhead, which is known as the Trinity. And so when you realize that the spirit of truth actually bears the very nature of God, for he is God, so much of what Jesus says about him makes even more sense. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And, And you think, well, how is it that if you leave and you send something else to take your place, how am I going to be comforted by that? And Jesus basically saying it's not an it, it's a he. It's not a thing. It's God himself. So you will not be left alone. You will not be left comfortless. And so the first ministry of the Holy Spirit to his people, according to this verse, is to guide us. God himself, through the Spirit, is guiding us into all truth. Now, to guide simply means what you think it means. It means to guide you, just like someone might take you on a tour of some place of interest that you've never been to. Now, I think my wife, to my wife's chagrin, I, I, don't, I, I don't like guides. <laughs> I like to look at a place, learn about a place, and then just go there and figure it out for myself. But I think some people really like to be guided into a place or guided to a place because they've already been there, they already know about it, and they're not going to get lost. Because that's what happens when I am the guide into a place I've never been, in a place that maybe I've done some research but really don't know that much about, I get us lost. I remember when we were as a family in England and we were trying to go from uh, one of the places that we were you know, looking at, some of the famous places in London, and we were going to go back to our place. And I thought, what a great time to take the tube. You know, that's the, uh, the underground. That's the, the subway of London. Well, it just so happened it was around... Five o'clock in the afternoon, it was rush hour. And we have, how many were, five of us. My mother-in-law was there too, and we were trying to think, okay, let's go down here. We're going to get in the tube. We know exactly where the stop is. And I'd done all my research, but it was so crowded. And people were just jamming onto that tube. And we were like, how are we all going to get on that tube so that they all can follow me to know where the stop is? So at that point, we said, we can't take the tube. And so we left, we got up, up top, and And then I was stuck trying to figure out how to get back. I mean, we were miles. We could have walked. I would have walked. But no one else wanted to walk. So we were trying to figure out how can we get back there. So I had to look up the bus schedules. 
We had to take one bus here and one another bus here and get off this bus and go to this bus. It took like three or four stops to actually get to our final stop. And I'm sure my wife was thinking at that point, why didn't we just get a guide, <laughs> right? Because guides can be helpful. And when it comes to the spiritual life, we are not meant to go through this walk with God like I would go to places in the world with my family without a guide. He gave us the guide that we need. He gave us the Spirit of God to guide us into all truth. He is the one that takes us where we've never been. The Holy Spirit takes the lead and brings us, as one person describes, into new vistas of truth. You know, one of the reasons why you go on vacation is because you want to see things you haven't seen before, see, see things that are beautiful, see things that are a little different than just the, you know, the, the, the flat countryside here in Indiana, which has its, its own beauty. But going to the highlands of Scotland or even going to the Rocky Mountains out west and you, you see the vistas that are just something that you never can imagine. You know, I've always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but some of you have been there. And you can say, like so many others, that you didn't quite understand what it was like until you were there. And you could look out over the canyon and just see some of the vast distances that this canyon is cutting through those rocks. What an amazing thing. That's what the Holy Spirit is given to us for to lead us to see not vistas of the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Canyon or the Scottish Highlands, but to give us new vistas of the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ. That's what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is for this church, is for you as a Christian, is to open up your eyes to see what this life is really to be like as a child of God's. And the fact is, he's the best guide because he knows something about the place he's leading us to. Isn't the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth? And where does Jesus say he's going to lead us into? Into all truth. He's the best guide. He knows what truth is all about. But then, as Pontius Pilate would ask Jesus in just a few hours' time, the question comes to our mind when we read this verse that he's going to guide us unto all truth. What is truth? What is this truth that the Holy Spirit is going to be our faithful guide, like we just sang earlier? What is truth? What is the truth that the Spirit of truth will guide us into? Well, Jesus himself gives us the answer to that question. In fact, remember back in chapter 14, verse 6, this is one of the first things that Jesus even said to his disciples in that upper room that very night. Jesus said to Thomas, when Thomas and others were asking Jesus questions, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. So what is this truth, all truth, that this spirit is going to lead us into? Jesus says, I am the truth. And then just a chapter over in chapter 17, in Jesus' own high priestly prayer to his father, he will say these words, Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. What is truth? Thy word is truth. So the revelation of truth that we need in our lives as Christians and as a church is found in both Jesus, who is the living word. We learned that all the way back in chapter 1, remember? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who is that word? Jesus. So the revelation of truth is found both in Jesus, the living word, and 
the written word, which is the Bible. This is the truth into which the Holy Spirit is going to guide the people of God. Jesus promises here that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide Christians more and more into the truth of himself, into the truth of Christ. How? Through the truth of his word. The Holy Spirit never leads us away from Christ. And the Holy Spirit never leads us apart from his word. We need to remember that. That's how the Spirit guides us in a faithful way for us to know what it's like in this Christian life. But notice also that he will not lead us merely to the truth or even in the truth, but into all truth. You know, it's kind of like a shepherd may lead their flock of sheep to the water to drink. That's not the picture of the leading of the Holy Spirit. The picture of the leading of the Holy Spirit is not just getting you to there, but rather getting you into there, getting you in the pond, getting you in the water, so that the water is not just something that you drink, it's something that surrounds you, it's something that is all around you, it's something that you can enjoy and rest in, maybe refreshed from if it's a hot day. This is what the Holy Spirit is leading us into. You see, the truth of God, when you become a Christian, is something like the countryside, that if you were to go take a hike, it's not just what you see ahead of you. It's not just what you see behind you. It's what you see all around you. It's what you see above you. It's what you see below you. This is where the Holy Spirit leads us as Christians. It's that you are into the truth. You know, so many of us are just content with dabbling in the truth. And we forget that the Holy Spirit is there to actually lead us so that we are so engulfed in the truth that when any error tries to get in, we will know it in an instant and we will shut it out. That's what the Holy Spirit is sent to do. In fact, the Holy Spirit will bring you more and more into the truth of Jesus himself so that you can truly abide in him. Remember in chapter 15, Jesus says, abide in me. And you're you're thinking, well, how do I abide in you? Well, you can't by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you into the truth of Christ, into the truth of the word, so that then you can abide in him and enjoy all of the benefits and blessings of what that means. You see, when you abide in Christ and when you follow the leader of the Holy Spirit into the truth of Christ, you will grow in your faith in Christ. You will grow in your fellowship with Christ. You will grow in your faithfulness to Christ. You will grow in your fruitfulness for Christ because you're in Christ. He is the atmosphere of your life. I think for far too many of us, sometimes we, we think that, well, I'm in Christ in church, or I'm in Christ in my time of devotions each day, or I'm in Christ when I'm spending that special time in prayer. But the fact is, the Christian life is not supposed to be distinguished in that way. It's not just supposed to be a, a compartmentalized time here, there, or somewhere else. It's your whole life. It's your whole time. It's your whole being. In the truth of Christ, in the truth of the gospel. This is one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul could say in Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ. I think when we look at that verse, it's hard for us to really understand what it means unless we understand that it's the Holy Spirit who leads us not just to Christ, but into Christ. So that Christ becomes our very life. Christ becomes our all in all. 
You see, Paul could say that because the Holy Spirit kept leading Paul deeper and deeper into the truth of Christ. And, you know, sometimes if you think, well, if I'm going deeper and deeper into some place that I don't really know anything about, I'm going to get lost. But that's not the case with Christ. Instead of getting lost, when you follow the leader of the Holy Spirit, you will be forever found. Because he is your life. He is all around you. His truth is what sustains you wherever you are at in this world, in this wilderness. But then the question comes, not only what is truth, but how does the Holy Spirit accomplish this ministry? How does he do this? Of guiding us into all truth. Referring to the living word and the written word that tells us about the living word. Well, we need to remember in John, the 11 disciples to whom Jesus was speaking was a special case. Because this promise would be fulfilled as the Holy Spirit would soon instruct them and then inspire them about the truth. Uh, in fact, in, in, verse, in chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus told his disciples that the Holy Spirit would bring all things to their remembrance whatsoever he said unto them. You see, the reason why we have our New Testaments, and really the reason why we have our whole Bible, is because there were some people that were in a special case when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually instructed them and then inspired them to write God's word for us so that we have it today. So yes, when it comes to those disciples, those apostles, and, and some of the others that God used to write the Bible, there is a special situation there, a special case for them. In fact, we have the Gospel of John itself as evidence of this instruction. Remember, how many things did Jesus teach those disciples in that three and a half years? I mean, at the very end of John, I mean, John even says, there could be all kinds of books written about what Jesus said and did. In fact, there'd be so many books that the world itself couldn't hold them all. No library could hold any of those things. And you think, well, how in the world would they have remembered any of this stuff? Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came... Jesus said he would come and instruct those disciples to remember what Jesus said. Don't you wish that that was still the case for you? <laughs> Boy, if only I could remember where I put my keys, right? But God says, no, I'm not going to leave you to write these things down or remember these things on your own. And then, and then for some of them, he says, not only am I going to instruct you with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to let that Holy Spirit inspire you. God breathed in order so that you can actually write down things that are the very word of God that shows what Christ is all about. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. He would move and inspire them in such a way that the words they wrote were the very words of God. If you look at verse 13, this is amazing. There would even be times, according to that verse, that the Holy Spirit would show them things to come. That is, things in the future. Things about their life, things about our lives, things about, uh, about eternal things, even in the future. Revelation, if we think about it. Remember, showing things to come is something only God can do. Again, this is how we got our Bibles. This is how we got both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And this is why we can trust them. Because these Books, these words are God's words instructed to those who are to write and then inspired by those, by the Spirit to those who are to write. And the Holy Spirit fulfilled his ministry in a spectacular way. 
But we know that he fulfilled this ministry because he also did it in the exact same way Jesus did. Look at verse 13 again. Jesus says, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. This is how the Holy Spirit would do his work. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Now, isn't that what Jesus did? There's several places in the Gospel of John that Jesus even said so. Uh, one of the clearest places is in John 12, 49. Jesus says to his disciples and to the, really the people around him, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father who sent me gave me a commandment of what I should say and what I should speak. So, so when it came to the ministry of Jesus in this world, the Father gave him the words to speak and he shared them to the people around him. And now Jesus says the exact same things that happened to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to receive what I want him to say, and then he's going to share it with the people I want him to speak to. And the whole point of this is that when it comes to the words and message of the Holy Spirit and the words and message of Jesus, they agree completely with each other. And they agree completely with the Father. We have here just a, a, another glimpse into the mystery of the Trinity, the triune nature of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all united in everything except for their own personal nature or their personal identities, yet they agree. You know, when we, when we talk about interpretations of the Bible, uh, I think if you have three people in a room, you're going to have three different ideas about what those passages might even mean. And obviously we want to know what the right approach is, right? We want to understand what God's understanding this, but when you have God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in a room, guess what happens? They agree because they speak the same thing and then they share the same thing. And that's why when we come to this book, we have the very words of God and we can be confident in it. And this is how the Holy Spirit guides us. It, when we go through the Take 20 or Bible reading or any other kind of program that you might go through, you need to realize that it's the very word of God. The Holy Spirit is saying to us what Jesus told him to say, which, of course, is what God the Father wanted him to say as well. But even though the Spirit's guidance through instruction and inspiration was limited, it was limited specifically to the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's another way that the Spirit guides us today. And that's through the ministry of what we can say is illumination. Illumination of God's words. That is, he opens up our minds. He opens up our hearts. He opens up our understanding so that we might, as it says in Psalm 119, 18, behold wondrous things out of his law. Have you ever been reading a passage in the Bible and maybe it was not quite yet time for you to understand what that meant? Maybe it was something that was still hard for you to bear, even as Jesus said to his disciples here. But all of a sudden, after many years of studying, after many years of reading it, after many years of struggling with it, all of a sudden there was an aha moment. Something clicked. Something you were able to grasp now that you weren't able to before. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit's illumination, giving you a greater understanding of the truth. The truth, not just about a passage, but the truth about how that passage points you to Christ. Because this whole book, this whole Bible is all about Jesus. It's the, living, it's the written word that leads us to the living word who then changes our life from the inside out. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to illuminate us 
And so as the Spirit continues to lead, continues to guide you into the truth of Christ and all that the gospel means, it's so that you will grow. Not just in your comprehension, but also in your confidence and trust. We need to be men of, and women of strong faith, but also men of courage and commitment and dedication to Christ. So that you might say with Paul, to me, to live is Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is what guides us to say that. For me to live as Christ. And if you can't say that, if you don't have really a, a, a grasp of that, pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you into that truth. The truth about Christ. Through the truth of His Word. To lead you to the point where you could say that. That Jesus is my all in all. Jesus is the atmosphere in which I desire to live my life. Jesus Christ is my life. For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Remember, Jesus is still the way and the truth and the life for you. Do you desire the leading of the Holy Spirit today? Then follow his lead as he leads you to the truth of Christ. He does not lead you to Christ apart from his word, but rather in conjunction with his word, he leads you to learn more about what it means to abide in Jesus. So if you struggle with what does it mean to abide in Christ? Explore his word. There is so much more in the New Testament that Jesus really couldn't say to his disciples yet. But now we have it. Now he's given it to us. Oh, pray that the Lord through his spirit will open your eyes that you might see even more wonderful things out of his law so that you can grow in these ways. He leads you into the truth of Jesus through his word. Follow the leader. But then we also come to the second ministry, right? The second ministry of the Holy Spirit, which we mentioned earlier, is... Not just to guide Christians, but to glorify Christ. To glorify Christ himself. And we find that in these two verses. Verses 14 and 15. Jesus adds these words. He shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Now again, Jesus is speaking about something that's yet to come. But since the Holy Spirit has already come, this has been the ministry of the Holy Spirit all along now for 2,000 years. He glorifies Christ. And how is this possible? Why would he do it? How can he do this? For because he, the Spirit, shall receive a mine and shall show it unto you. Again, the Spirit simply just takes what is given to him from Jesus and shares it. That's his ministry. Because they agree. And then verse 15, Jesus adds, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore, this is the reason why I said what I just said in verse 14, He shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So again, the first reason why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit is to guide us. So that at the same time, the second ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he might glorify Jesus. How does the Holy Spirit glorify Christ? Well, we see in verse 14 that he does so through, exalt, through exalting him. Exaltation. Exalting Jesus. That's what it simply means to glorify you know, we, a few years ago, we went through an entire study of what glory means in the Bible. And in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament, I think really the picture in the Old Testament is a little bit better in that to glorify someone is to really give them the weight that they are due in your life. Something that is important to you. And that's what exaltation of Christ really is. To glorify. Other words to describe it are to magnify, to praise 
to honor someone because of just how great they are, they are. And certainly this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think how great Jesus is. And that's why the Spirit has this ministry of glorifying Jesus. In fact, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to glorify Jesus in his service to this world and service in the church because the Holy Spirit loves Jesus. And it pleases the Holy Spirit to glorify him. And so even as Jesus always sought to glorify God the Father, now the Holy Spirit wants to glorify Jesus. Isn't that something we see all throughout the Gospel of John? Jesus says, I'm here to glorify my Father in everything that I say and everything I do. And now he says, the Holy Spirit's going to do the same thing about me. He's coming because he wants to glorify me in everything that he says and everything that he does. In fact, all you have to do is read all through the New Testament and really the Bible as a whole to see that this book, which again is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, it all points us to Jesus. You might have heard the phrase, Jesus on every page. That's our goal. That's our quest when we go through the Bible. Where can I find Jesus in this passage? How does it point to Jesus in this passage? From cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, it all centers on and points on the Lord Jesus. Because that's why the Holy Spirit came. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired. That's why the Holy Spirit illuminates us is so that our lives can be all about Jesus, all centered on Jesus and his cross. And so all through those ministries of instruction, of inspiration to those disciples back then, and even through his ministry of illumination to us, the Holy Spirit shines his light on Jesus like a big spotlight. I'm not sure what it was, but on Wednesday night, um, I was the last one to leave, and, and with all the lights off, and I, I looked out toward the west, and there was this beam of light. I assume it was coming from the airport. But usually you see those lights moving. This one was just kind of straight up and straight out, and it wasn't moving. I'm not sure what it was or what it was for. Um, it was not a UFO. It was not shining on me. It was shining in the sky. Okay? And I was like, I wonder what, that, what, what that's all about. But it kind of gave me a, an illustration of what the Holy Spirit's purpose is in this world and in this church. It's to shine a spotlight on Jesus. And not just on the person of Jesus, and not just on the work of Jesus, but really on what all, the, all of Jesus means. There's so much more to Jesus than just the person that we have in the Gospels. We have the outworkings of all of his life and ministry in the, in the rest of the New Testament. It's the good news about Jesus. And you go through... Acts and Romans and First and Second Corinthians and Galatians, if you know the song to remember all of the books of the New Testament in their order, every single one of those, the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus with a great big spotlight. And so as the Spirit glorifies the Son, it causes us to see that glory for ourselves. Remember, when you see Jesus in this book, the Holy Spirit is doing his job. The Holy Spirit is, is shining the light of Christ so that you can see him in a brighter, greater, more weightier way in your life and heart. But what is it that brings Jesus glory? Well, Jesus himself tells us when he adds in these verses, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. It's not much different than what he said earlier. The Holy Spirit receives what he's given from the Spirit, or from Jesus, and then he shows it and reports it to the world and to people. So the way and the reason the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus is because he's a faithful witness of everything that he received from Jesus and everything 
that he reports from Jesus to us. This is what glorifies Jesus, a faithful witness to his truth, a faithful witness of the gospel, a faithful witness of all that gospel means. So the Holy Spirit simply passes on the truth that Jesus gives him, and then it's the truth the Holy Spirit stamps his own approval on as the spirit of truth. This is what brings glory to Jesus Christ, a faithful witness of his truth. And that's how and that's why the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He just simply tells the truth about Jesus. He did so when he instructed the disciples about Jesus. He did so when he inspired the writers of the New Testament and the Old Testament to do that. And then he does the same when he illuminates us to see Jesus more clearly as the atmosphere in which we live our lives, not just here and now, but wherever we are in this world, wherever we are in this community, even in the four corners of your house, this is what the Holy Spirit does. But that's not where his ministry ends. Not only does he exalt Jesus, but then he continues to glorify Jesus through extending it to God the Father, through extension to God the Father. When Jesus said the Holy Spirit would glorify him, it could mean that Jesus was just seeking glory for himself. I mean, we know people like that. Boy, I wish they would say more about me because I want people to know how, just how great I am. Obviously, that would be completely out of character with Jesus because what was the purpose of Jesus' life? Not to glorify himself, but to glorify his Father. And yet Jesus says here, the Spirit's here to glorify me. So is Jesus speaking out of two sides of his mouth? No. Because he explains further here in verse 15, all things that the Father hath are mine. This is why I said, he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. All this means is that the truth of the Holy Spirit, or the truth that the Holy Spirit gets from Jesus, is not only from Jesus. The truth that the Spirit gets from Jesus is from God the Father as well. So the truth that the Holy Spirit gives for Jesus is not only for Jesus, it's for the Father as well. What the Holy Spirit does with the truth not only will glorify Jesus, by extension, it will glorify the Father also. That's the whole point of Jesus' ministry. Jesus knows that when the Holy Spirit glorifies him, his Father will get all the glory. That's such an amazing thing, another amazing glimpse into this relationship of the Trinity. It is a glorious thing because as each member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as they each glorify the other, they're all well pleased. There's no jealousy in the midst. They're all seeking the glory of the other. And may that be the case of us in our lives. May we seek the glory of the other. May we seek the glory of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even as the Holy Spirit gives us the example of what that looks like. Now, now we know what pleases God. Now we know what glorifies God. It is being a faithful witness of the truth. So what the Holy Spirit does for Jesus is what we ought to do for Jesus. What is it that really pleases God? What really glorifies Jesus? Telling the truth about Him. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. You see, in our witness, 
We need to share about the living word through the testimony of the written word. We need to witness both of Jesus and the Bible. And the Holy Spirit leads us by his own example. And we ought to follow the leader by seeking to glorify and exalt and magnify and honor God in every way that we can. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31? You probably know it by heart. Paul reminds us whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. This is the example the Holy Spirit sets for us. He came to glorify Christ and now we ought to follow our leader and glorify Christ in every area of our life because he is our atmosphere in which we live. But again, one of the primary ways to glorify Jesus is to do it the way the Holy Spirit does through faithfulness to the words of Jesus and about Jesus. The faithfulness of the Holy Spirit is complete. And I think, sadly, even in American Christian culture today, I don't think we have it all right when it comes to glorifying Jesus by being faithful witnesses to about Jesus. You know, some of you probably either watched on the Super Bowl or heard about the Super Bowl and some of the ads. And there was a, a, an ad that was put together and paid millions of dollars to play during the Super Bowl purportedly by a Christian organization. And it only gives a half a truth. It doesn't give the whole truth. It doesn't give the full picture of what Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. In fact, some of the things that are going on in that ad about people washing the feet of other people is taken completely out of context of what we looked at already in John chapter 14 and 15. But we need to remember that the faithfulness that glorifies Jesus must be a complete faithfulness to his word. The Holy Spirit was faithful to what he received from the Lord, and then he was faithful in what he reported for the Lord, and that is the kind of faithful witness that glorifies Jesus. A faithful witness is never one-sided. A faithful witness will not shun to declare all the counsel of God, as Paul says in Acts 20. Otherwise, the message does not go far enough. Otherwise, the message cannot and will not bring glory to Jesus. So follow the leader that Jesus sent to guide you and to glorify him. Follow the Spirit as he guides you more and more into the truth of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Have you tasted and seen just how good Jesus is? Are you led not just to the the brink of the gospel and of Christ, but have you been led into the very depths of Jesus to experience that fellowship and that freedom and that love and that joy? Follow the Spirit as He leads you more and more into the truth of Christ and His gospel because He will guide you into sweeter fellowship with the living word through this written word and seek and follow His leading as you look for Jesus all throughout the Bible. It is the Holy Spirit who will help you abide in Christ. But then also follow Jesus or follow the Spirit as He glorifies Jesus through His faithful witness about Him. As the Spirit glorifies Jesus, do the same in all of your life and with all of your heart, but not in your own strength. Because, because again, the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He will help you to live 
for Jesus Christ and to glorify him, not in part, but in whole. This is our leader, and we need to follow him. He follows us into Christ. He leads us there, and then he leads us to glorify Christ. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we saw in these verses and in others before it. We know that, Lord, these are not the only two ministries of the Spirit to guide us and to glorify you. But, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, especially this morning, recognize his ministry in our own lives in this way so that we might follow him, follow his lead. Thank you that the Holy Spirit leads us into Christ. And now, Father, I pray that we will follow. We will follow him wherever he leads because, Lord, we need Christ. We need Christ not only for salvation from our sin. We need Christ for sanctification from our sin. We need Christ ultimately for that final glorification from our sin. Lord, we need Christ every day, every moment of our lives in this world. May we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit to Christ and into Christ through the very word that you've given us. Lord, and yet, help us to be patient. Help us to be patient knowing that there are still times in our life where we're just not ready to bear some of the truths that the Holy Spirit can teach us. We're not ready to graduate into that next class. But Lord, I pray that even though we are patient, we're also still aspiring to learn. We're still aspiring to grow. We're still aspiring to abide more closely with our Savior, knowing that the Spirit is the one who not only gives us that desire, but then will fulfill and complete that desire. Oh, Lord, I pray that your Spirit will have power to do that ministry in each one of our lives. Stir us up, Lord, to follow that leadership. Stir us up, Lord, to want to have that kind of fellowship with the truth that we find in Jesus and his word. But then, Lord, we also thank you for the example of the Holy Spirit in glorifying Jesus. Lord, we know that that is part of the truth that he leads us to, that, that, that is the very purpose of our life, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do to glorify you, to glorify him. Because, Lord, when we glorify Jesus, we glorify you. Oh, Lord, thank you for letting us participate in that glory, in that praise, in that exaltation, in that honor, that magnification of who you are to us. And then, Lord, help us to know what really pleases you, the, the kind of testimony and witness that really honors you, and that is a whole witness, a full witness. What you give us, we share. What we receive, we report. We don't add anything to it. We don't take anything away from it. Even as the Apostle Paul said when he shared the gospel one more time to that church in, in Corinth, he said, that which I received, I also gave to you. He didn't change it. He didn't water it down. He didn't modify it. He simply shared the truth. Because it's the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the whole counsel of God that changes sinners into saints, that leads them from their life of sin into a life of holiness, seeking to glorify God with their lives and everything that they say and think and do. And now, Father, I pray that you will help us to have that same desire and follow the leader 
the leader that you've given to us in the Holy Spirit, to follow his guidance to Christ, and to follow his example to glorify you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.